Welcome to LNG TV, bringing you dynamic conversations, thought-provoking reflections and inspiring stories from the leaders, pioneers and change agents spearheading growth across gas and LNG markets worldwide and shaping the transition to a cleaner, more sustainable and prosperous global energy landscape of tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to LNG TV in this episode of LNG Excellence. Today we are delighted to welcome Tony Diasi, Vice President of LNG with Pembina Pipeline Corporation. Tony has over 30 years experience designing and commissioning world-scale LNG liquefaction projects. Now overseeing Pembina's portfolio of development projects across the west coast of North America. Tony, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us here on LNG TV. How are things in Houston? They're, they're, they're really well. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on this morning or afternoon for you. <laughs> so firstly, among Pemina's LNG interests is, of course, the Jordan Cove LNG liquefaction project. Um, with recent announcements, it'd be great to understand where the project is currently at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you're aware, we did, we did uh, recently have to take uh, uh, an impairment on the on the project. Uh, we're continuing to evaluate the path forward. Uh, we we still believe in the strategic fit for Jordan Cove. Uh, one, it we believe it's going to be the only LNG West Coast project in the U.S. And so you know we're we're truly focused on on driving it driving it forward. Uh, the second piece is that you know the proximity to Asia. Uh, it, it's still there's there's going to be demand uh, in in Asia for LNG and West Coast just makes sense. And then the third thing is is that you know we're we're we'll be creating jobs in Oregon and uh, helping out the uh, you know the, the the world in terms of reducing uh, and displacing coal. And so there's a there's a benefit there. Um, and actually picking up your point on the West Coast, so we've had Sempra's recent FID on their eco-liquefaction project. We've got LNG Canada progressing um, in British Columbia. So are you a firm believer in the west coast of North America for potential future projects? Uh, yes, I, I, I really am. I think, you know, again, when you when you look at the, the demand picking up, you know, in Asia, Asia takes a big slice of that. And, you know, I think I think with LNG Canada paving the way for Western Canada, I think it'll it'll help open up the doors for for others. Um, you know, you've already you've got Cedar LNG, which you know is likely to proceed. It's a small floating LNG project. Uh, you know, you've got Wood Fiber, that's uh, southern part of BC. Uh, you know, they're working through the permitting process. So I think I think you know the regulatory process is it's they're they're learning and it's going to be well established and. You know, LNG Canada, if they proceed to phase two, uh, is just going to pave the way. And I, I, I just think that there will be more opportunities for others to uh, to participate in, in, you know, the expansion of Western Canada uh, to export more LNG than just, you know, the projects that are there now. Uh, in terms of Mexico, I think, yeah, that's a, you know, it's it's a it's a prime area, and then you know, Sempra with ECA converting that import terminal into an export terminal, uh, you know, was an easy was an easy one, and uh, and then you've got MPL further south. You know, they're developing their project, and uh, 
I think there'll be more. Uh, again, I think just the rationale, uh, you know, for for being on the West Coast and the proximity to to Asia, it just makes sense. And then with you know the shale gas, right? Whether it's Canada or U.S., right? And and you know developments in Mexico, uh, it's with the infrastructure in place. It's it's not that difficult to move the molecules around. Tony, you yourself have a huge amount of LNG project development experience. Um, it appears that LNG liquefaction project life cycles are on the whole getting longer. Is that a fair statement? And, and do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, they, they really are. I mean, you know, my, my memory, you know, sort of pull back on Atlantic LNG. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, a large project was, was 3 million tons and, uh, you know, CapEx was a lot lower. And even though they were integrated project, you know, the overall risk profile across the integrated stream, you know, was, I believe, less than what you have now. You know, now you've got, in order to launch a project uh, and for it to be economic and, and have a delivered cost to Asia that is uh, acceptable, uh, you potentially are getting into some very, very large projects. And that just adds to the complexity and then you've got, you know, some very long pipelines. So example is BC, you know, where you might have larger diameter pipelines from, from Alberta, uh, you know, to BC. And so, you know, that, that just adds to the difficulty of, uh, of moving a project forward. So I think that, you know, has added uh, to, the, to the difficulty and the timelines it takes to do these, uh, do these projects. I think the other, you know, thinking back to Atlantic, I think the other reason is that, you know, it just feels like uh, company uh, processes and assurance requirements have gotten more complex. I mean, I'm a firm believer in structure and rigor and discipline and, you know, processes and systems. And it, it just, it, it's, gotten, it's gotten more complex. So it just takes longer to do a pre-feed, you know, it takes longer to do a feed. Uh, internal company processes are taking longer. Tony, I want to pick up on Atlantic LNG because um, it always has been and continues to nurture industry talent. So many of uh, the industry's leaders started their careers with Atlantic. Um, why do you think that is? Yeah, great question. Uh, so I think, you know, one of the one of the things with Atlantic was, you know, you had the initial players other than Cabot, you know, had LNG experience. So, you know, they brought in Amico and BG at the time and then the National Gas Company. And there were only a few of us and, you know, we had this vision and didn't know how to do it, but we had targets of delivered costs to Boston and we had a timeline. And so it was almost like, you know, how do you solve this puzzle that's almost, uh, you know, very difficult or impossible to solve. But, and that, you know, that challenge, uh, you know, the teams team stood up to, we were an extremely small team. Uh, and I think we were young, we didn't know better. And so it was, you know, it was like, here's, here's the, you know, here's what we need, uh, go get it done. And, and we did. And so I think, you know, that, that, that project, you know, there was a lot of things that worked well on Atlantic, you know, all the way from the leadership to the timing of it, you know, sometimes, sometimes timing is key. Uh, you know, you could have everything else and if, if timing's not there, you know, then you, then you miss out on a, on a, you know, fabulous opportunity. And having all those contacts and network from Atlantic LNG days, how much has that helped or shaped your career? 
Yeah, I mean, significantly, you know, the, I, I think personally, my, my growth on Atlantic uh, was significant. You know, I, I came in as a young process engineer, as a discipline, sort of focused in a very narrow, narrow area, and then, you know, quickly moved to commissioning lead. Uh, and then moved to engineering management uh, on the expansion trains. And then, you know, in the early days of train four, uh, jumped into PM. And then, you know, that, you know, just sort of focused on on sort of higher level, uh, you know, roles after after that. So I think the leadership there, you know, that, that had a significant impact on my on my path forward and, uh, you know, my career choices. Uh, let me put it that way. Tony, switching gears slightly. In terms of your experiences, I know, for example, at Atlantic, a friend of LNG TV, Phil Hunter, is someone you have a very good relationship with. Um, specifically in relation to building relationships with an EPC contractor, could you tell us a little bit more about that and the importance of building that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, my, my style and, you know, again, my mentors uh, on, on Atlantic, you know, David Jamison and Bob Nager had, had a, you know, the, the, the style was one is, you know, build, build a re- relationship with the contractors, you know, from the highest levels. And it's not one that's a check in the box, but it's a true relationship, uh, you know, and then from, from a project side or the technical side, uh, you know, know what you want, define the scope set it, uh, and then move on and do not change. And I think, you know, as we worked with Bechtel on Atlantic and, and recently with Kiwit, Black & Veatch and JGC on Jordan Cove, that was a philosophy we had was let's, let's work together to define it and then, you know, jointly define what the owner's role is, what the contractor's role is, so it's clear. And then as issues come up, let's have honest, open conversations to, to work through them. So I think I think that's a foundation of you know building building ultimately building that trust you know with contractors where you can truly uh, execute something that's lump sum turnkey you know you know with some uh, pretty strict requirements but you can you can easily work work through it jointly and and that to me that's key that that really is the LNG industry continues to grow. Um, and so in terms of people's careers, it's possible for someone to, you know, maybe straight out of university, spend their whole, it, whole career within the LNG industry. Um, as someone who has had such a breadth of experience, I'm interested to understand whether you actually believe that that's a good thing or whether or not there's benefits from being involved in broader energy infrastructure projects over the course of a career. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I actually think you know, for especially the young individuals to get a broad, some broad experience, you know, uh, will, will benefit. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to work upstream operations and then, you know, Gulf of Mexico, obviously, you know, LNG. Uh, but, you know, there, there, there's different tools and techniques that are used, decision-making processes, uh, you know, what, what one might do in subsea, uh, you know, hard to imagine that you could take something and apply it to, you know, an LNG facility, but that's, you know, that's, that's part of the role is how do you connect the dots up? How do you, how do you improve uh, the process? How do you, how do you do it safer? How do you improve the quality? So I think it, it just benefits uh, individuals, you know, as they're, whether they're starting their careers or in the middle of their careers, 
to, to actually go do some, you know, do some other roles in different functions. And uh, yeah, I, I, for me, it, it's extremely beneficial. I, I learned a lot. Because uh, Tony, you spent what, 10 years, over 10 years at Atlantic LNG. Uh, do you think that being able to do those breadth of roles um, has benefited in, uh, I suppose, your ability to, to look at a project generally and, and see the project through end to end? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's critically important to actually start something and finish it. And, you know, as I mentor, you know, some of the, some of the younger uh, generation. That's my guidance to them: is pick, you know, pick something, uh, start it, and finish it. And and don't, you know, your career will come. Uh, don't be so focused on, you know, getting the promotions and finding a line of sight to, you know, an executive role that might be the fastest. You know, just keep building that foundation. You know, be patient. Be patient with it, and and the roles will come. They 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 will. Uh, you know that the sort of the personal satisfaction of seeing the the start of something where you conceive it and, you know, you see it through startup and hand it over. Uh, you know, it was sort of like my child, you know, Atlantic. It really was. I mean, you know, it was two, three people at the start of it. And, you know, it, uh, it, there's nothing more satisfying than that. And, and the accountability and the ownership you have, you know, there's no one you can look at if something goes wrong. If something is not performing as designed, guess what? I, I better wake up in the morning and look in the mirror. There's no one to point to. So, you know, the, the lessons around accountability, uh, yeah, you'll learn very quickly. And you've given us one nugget of uh, advice that you've, you've given to some of your um, or people who aspire to having a career like yours. Can you give us a few more insights or how do you sort of, um, what are the top three things you say to people who want to, to look into to getting into a, a role like yours? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, one of the, the first, the first things is, is again, you know, build that foundation. Uh, you know, I, I believe that if, if you're a mechanical engineer or process engineer, have a solid foundation, um, you know, like don't, don't just jump to something else. And then I think the, the, the second thing is, is sort of self-learning and, you know, whether it's going to conferences or whatever, but, you know, self-learning is really, really important because as you sort of grow, you know, the breadth of what you might be responsible for is significant, you know, relative to running a, you know, very sort of small, small sort of uh, uh, area or project or, or you know, uh, uh, lead role. Uh, so that, that, that's, that's really, really important. And I think, you know, lastly, um, it's, it's about uh, just striving to, you know, take an initiative to push yourself uh, you know, just taking ownership and not being a victim and, and just driving forward. And I think, you know, those, those three things, you know, can, can certainly help. There are a lot more, but, uh, you know, I think those three things for me, uh, sort of jump out. And you mentioned earlier two specific names, David Jameson and Bob Nager. Um, for those, uh, in our audience who are not familiar with them, um, can you just tell us a little bit about them and what their impact was on you and your career? Yeah, so uh, David was, you know, a senior project manager at Amico, had done offshore projects and pipelines and came on, I think, uh, you know, sort of uh, was the second, I was I, probably the first one in Amico to get involved with Atlantic. And I think he was the second one. 
and, you know, just a breadth of experience and, uh, you know, a civil background, but, uh, you know, no one, if someone talked to him, you know, that, that there was no way they could, if he didn't tell him he was a civil engineer, uh, you know, he just, again, you know, just challenged, asked lots of questions and learned what all the other disciplines were about. And, you know, we'd never done LNG before and, uh, and, but he, he very quickly picked up. Uh, and then Bob Nager, you know, again, a very experienced, a very experienced uh, individual who, you know, worked for Amoco onshore, offshore, uh, you know, just unbelievable. Seemed to, one of those guys that just seemed to know, didn't matter what question you asked him, he knew it. And I couldn't all, you know, it was always hard for me to figure out how, how did he do that, you know, but I think there's, there's an element of, you know, the, the self-learning and always challenging and asking questions and being inquisitive. You know, it's like the little child, right? Like why, why, why type thing. And so, uh, yeah, no, both of those guys, uh, I think uh, the again, uh, the, the trajectory I took, you know, through Atlantic was, uh, so I think, due to those guys, you know. And in you and your career, you've transitioned from um, being an engineer to leading engineering on a project through to leading a project in its entirety. What, I'd just be interested as, you know, for someone who's listening or someone who's considering that as a career path, we'd be interested in terms of what are the key elements in making that transition successfully? Yeah, so, you know, from, from a discipline engineering to engineering management, it wasn't too difficult because it's all sort of technical. And I think the, the, the learning for me was, uh, you know, just, you know, focus on the other areas equally and understand those disciplines. And it's natural to gravitate back to, you know, I'd always jump back into the process stuff. And, you know, it was always Bob, he was very honest and sort of like Tony, like, stay out of this. Okay. We've got a process engineer. And so, you know, that, that, that really helped a lot. I think, you know, moving from engineering management to sort of the role of a project director, um, it, it, it's, it's significant because you're, you know, a technical, yeah, it's a big piece, but it's also a small piece. And if you've got, you know, if that project director role includes regulatory commercial, you know, supporting supporting the commercial teams with the customers and, you know, gas supply, uh, you know, finance. Uh, so you've really got to focus. You've really got to focus on, uh, you know, the, those other areas, which which might be very uncomfortable. And it's sometimes difficult, uh, you know, to know because you just don't you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and so, you know, it's important to, you know, communicate, you know, have your mentors and, you know, uh, spend time to learn uh, the, the, the other functions and not just stay focused on, you know, engineering, which you're, which, you know, and it's easy to do. I, you know, my boss every once in a while, he tells me, Tony, you're jumping back into spending, you know, or focusing on technical, technical issues. Is it fair to say that a project can only be as good as its team? You know, I, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, through my career, I've seen, you know, projects that maybe, uh, you know, didn't have, uh, uh, you know, project teams that were, you know, set up uh, for success. Uh, 
you know, even though almost every company has, you know, stage gate processes, they've got guidelines and you can pull a binder and start on page one and start checking. Uh, but I, I, I believe uh, a team that is, you know, sees the common goal, uh, owns, you know, owns the delivery, uh, you know, are committed. Uh, projects are tough. You know, they're really hard work and they're hard on, can be hard on families. And, you know, that good people who fit the roles well and, you know, uh, you, you, you absolutely deliver a fantastic project. So, well, I, I do believe people make projects. Well, Tony, moving on, because you've given quite specific career advice, very much sort of office-based advice, I suppose. But um, what about time management and, and work-life balance? How do you juggle that? Yeah, uh, you know, early on in my career, when I, before I got married, I just worked all the time. And then, you know, after, after getting married and having kids, uh, you know, the, the need to balance a, how much I worked and how much I spent time with family was, was skewed and I wasn't doing it enough. And it, it took a lot of discipline and reflection and, and some conversations. But once I, once I decided that it was important and it mattered, uh, you know, and then I, then I basically set time out and, you know, the practice I got into is, is, uh, every year at the end of the year, I basically plan out my following year and that includes vacation. So I commit my family knew I'd committed and we'd book and that was, that was it. And, you know, it was, yeah, work's always there, uh, with technology, you know, cell phones and laptops and, you know, accessible, but, uh, you know, that's helped me a lot in, in my career. And as I mentor some of the younger folks, you know, that's my guidance to them. Like, just commit, you know, do it early, put it in the calendar, and then execute it. So you try and turn the laptop off or, or keep the phone uh, time to a minimum when you're, you're on vacation. But day to day, how do you, um, there aren't enough hours in the day to, to be able to, to, to work, to keep a family, um, you know, keep time with a family and also to, to keep fit, which is important to you. How, how do you juggle it all? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. One is, you know, I do, I do love working out and stuff. So I, I'm a very early riser. So, you know, 4am for me is a normal, normal start for a nice five mile run. Uh, you know, the other, the other thing I've learned over the years is, you know, I, I believe, you know, just being very uh, efficient and well organized. Uh, so, uh, you know, emails that just a person can get overwhelmed. And, you know, an example is, is early on in my career, I'd come home and this was on Atlantic. I'd come home, I'd come home and turn on the laptop because I had still, you know, a hundred emails to go through. So I was like, okay, I got to read everyone, you know, every day I've got to go through every email, but then I learned how to, you know, get organized and, and prioritize and, and just using rules and really simple things. But it's amazing how, you know, over time, uh, that that just significantly helped out and that helped with not going home with you know tons of emails to read so i i try to commit to you know taking care of business while i'm here and then on my way home i try to unwind and sort of you know leave work at work and then try to think about what i need to do when i get home tony you've got an interesting background as a mechanical engineer you evolved into one of the top lng process engineers 
Um, would be great to understand how you actually got into the LNG industry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I get that asked a lot, you know, it's uh, mechanical engineering. So it goes all the way back from when I started my career. I was uh, in Canada at a big sour gas plant and, uh, you know, being a mechanical, uh, yeah, love the machinery, love the steam systems, but, uh, you know, the process side of it, I just was intrigued and, uh, just sort of naturally, again, that self-learning, uh, you know, just started getting into it. Then I made a conscious decision that uh, I wanted to follow that path. And, you know, as I got, I had opportunities to jump into PM roles very early on in my career, but I chose not to because I wanted to go down a, a path, which was process engineering. And then, you know, it wasn't until probably year 10, you know, after school that I decided that, all right, it's time to, you know, I feel like I'm ready to move on to sort of management roles. So, you know, that was, you know, that was it. I just liked it. And I wanted my career to follow that path. And, uh, you know, Amico was, they were kind enough to, uh, you know, allow that sort of path, right? And Tony, finally, I suppose a reflective question to end our show. Um, we all want to have an impact, both professionally and personally. <laughs> um, what would you most like to be remembered for at the end of your career? Um, you know, I think I think one is you know having uh, improved the the safety uh, you know of, of our industry. Uh, you know, even broader than LNG, I think you know the the, the industry's learned a lot, and I hope you know, in some way I've, I've helped and impacted that. And then I, I think the second, you know, the big one for me is, is the, the communities that we, you know, work in uh, to see some positive benefits and seeing, you know, people get jobs at LNG facilities or gas plants or pipelines. Uh, it's just extremely satisfying because it changes their lives, you know, for generations. And then I think the last thing is, you know, uh, Hopefully some of these youngsters, uh, you know, like I remember David and Bob and others is that, you know, they, they look to me for, uh, you know, the things I've done and the way I've done them and said that they look back and go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's the way to sort of think about it. So, yeah. Well, you've certainly give us, given us some inspiring words of wisdom today. Thank you so much for joining us and we wish you all the best with Future Projects with Pembina. Thank you, Tony. Uh, that is it, though, for today from all of us here on LNG TV. Thank you for watching. Goodbye and see you next time.